Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. Look, Mr. Petticord, it's 11 o'clock. You were supposed to start reading the will an hour ago. Now, I'm a busy man. I have a luncheon appointment. Yes. Well, it does appear that no one else is going to show up for the reading. Then I suggest we get on with it. It might as well, I guess. I want you to understand one thing. I'm not here because I expect anything from my great-uncle's will. I just came out of respect, that's all. I see. Well, of course, I'm quite familiar with the bequest in his will. You are mentioned. Yes, so you said in your letter. Now, I hate to sound impatient. Hey, excuse me. Hey, come right in. Is this, this the right place for the reading of the Lester Otis will? Yes, this is the place. I'm Will Petticoat. Oh, good. I hope I'm not too late. I've been trying to find your office for an hour. Uh, just who is this? You would be from the foundation, I take it. Oh, yes. Excuse me. I'm Shirley Dodge. I'm the director of the foundation. Miss Dodge, this is Mr. Arthur Runyon, the grandnephew of the deceased. How do you do? Hello. Oh, uh, you can hang your raincoat there on the coat rack, Miss Dodge. Oh, thank you. I had the worst time trying to find this building. I thought it was on West 64th, and it's really on East 64th. What is this uh, foundation you work for? Oh, uh, the Wayfarers Foundation. The Wayfarers Foundation? Never heard of it. Oh, well, we're, we're a charitable organization that helps travelers in need. Oh. Well, I'll give you a brochure. Uh, what, may I ask, is your interest in my great-uncle's estate? Well, I really don't know. Mr. Petticord got in touch with us and asked Mr. If... Otis named the Wayfarers Foundation as a legatee, Mr. Runyon. Oh? Well, now that you're here, Miss Dodge, shall we proceed? Fine. At last. <clears throat> yes. Now, <clears throat> being of sound mind, I, Lester M. Otis, do hereby compose my last will and testament to my old and trusted friend, William C. Wright of Salem, Massachusetts, I bequeath my boat, a dory named Ellie B. <clears throat> oh, actually, Mr. Seawright is also deceased. We've been unable to find the boat in question. Some say it must have sunk. Well, you get on with it. Uh, certainly. <clears throat> a dory named Ellie B. Because of their noble endeavors in assisting lonely and homeless drifters as once I was. I leave my residence at 24 May Drive to the Wayfarers Foundation to be used as they see fit. What? Oh, that wonderful man. Must have been out of his mind. Well, there's more, Mr. Runyon, if you don't mind. <clears throat> I also bequeath the cash in my account at several Salem banks to the Wayfarers Foundation, as well as any profit from the sale of stocks and bonds which I held at the time of my death. Now, we've liquidated these securities at the best possible value, and they and the cash in his accounts total $125,177. Let me get this straight. That all goes to this uh, Wayfarers Foundation? That's what the will specifies. Well, that's incredible. Just incredible. Well, what the devil did you call me up here for, Mr. Petticord? He gave it all to this uh, charity outfit. Well, not quite all. There is one more legatee. Uh, finally, inasmuch as the furnishings of my home will be of little use to the foundation, I wish my last living relative, my grandnephew Arthur Runyon, to have them. He is entitled to all the furnishings found in my home at the time of my death. Signed and witnessed this 30th day of August, 1971, at Salem, Massachusetts. 
That's the will. No fool. Here, Mr. Runyon and Miss Dodge are your keys. Yes. Keys to the house. I expect you'll be wanting to have a look at what you're getting. To say there was no love lost between Lester Otis and his grandnephew Arthur Runyon would be putting it mildly. And now that Runyon knows his legacy is a house full of musty furniture, whatever family ties he may have felt for the old man have come undone completely. But Runyon hasn't yet seen the house and its contents, and he doesn't yet know the peculiar value of one item Uncle Lester left behind. When we return, Arthur Runyon and Shirley Dodge will have their first look at a most unusual heirloom, a clock, as Crisis presents a suspenseful tale entitled The Doomsday Clock. And now, The Doomsday Clock. You mean you haven't seen this house since you were little? That's right. Make me some kind of a bad guy? No. Only I yeah, just... it does make me a bad guy. Well, not really. Look, the old guy didn't like kids. He never had any of his own. Never even got married. So don't make me feel guilty because I never cozied up to him. Well, I didn't mean to make you feel guilty. Here, here's the front door. So, this is where he lived. Yep. This is a very historical old estate, you know. No, I don't know. Well, it is. It's in a historical guide to famous buildings. Well, I wouldn't know about that. I'm a salesman. I don't have time for history. Here, let's... Uh... Let's see what it's like inside. Go on in. Oh, no. It's empty. Empty? Well, that's just great. Just my luck. Well, what do you think became of the furniture? How would I know? You know so much about the place, you tell me. Well, I haven't any idea. You better tell me just what the old man was to you. Well, all I know is he used to send us money from time to time. How much money? Well, not much. Why? I don't know. I haven't been director of the foundation very long. They told me about him. What'd they say? That Mr. Otis was sympathetic to us. I gathered he'd been helped by the wayfarers himself once. Oh, baloney. Well, that's what they told me. I mean, this whole setup. He leaves you the house, and the only thing he leaves me isn't even here. We haven't been upstairs. Maybe there's furniture upstairs. And a cellar. There's bound to be a cellar. All these old homes had them. Yeah, well, either he sold off all the furniture or someone's come in here and ripped it off. Either way, I'm out of luck. Well, let me check upstairs. Go ahead. I'll be right back. The darkest thing, I don't believe in ghosts or haunted houses or any of that other superstitious stuff. Yeah, well, you're wasting your time. I get the picture now. The old duffer thought he'd teach me a lesson. That's about the way of it. Let me come out here expecting to find something of some value and find out he's cleaned the whole joint up, left me nothing. Mr. Runyon! Mr. Runyon, come look what's here. This is the oldest grandfather's clock I've ever seen. You mean this is all that's up here? Well, I looked in every room. But, Mr. Runyon, this has got to be valuable. It's an heirloom. Well, look at it. Seven feet tall. This thing must weigh a ton. And... All handmade. In England, naturally. Hand-painted face, car, case. Oh, this is a treasure. It really is. What am I going to do with a grandfather's clock? Well, if it were mine, I'd restore it. I'd keep it and hand it down to my children. I haven't any children. I'm not going to have any. Oh. 
Well, I'm sure some antique gallery would give you a good price for it. How good? It's a shame, though. That is passing out of your family. Well, I suppose I could find room for it over at my place. David, what's the darn thing? Thanks a lot, great uncle. Thanks for nothing. Mr. Fade as you are, Mr. Runyon. He never said anything about what he did with the furniture? No, sir. You think it was stolen? Oh, couldn't say. Don't believe so, though. Your great uncle was a strange man in some ways. You're telling me. So what became of the furniture? Blake is not. He may have given it away piece by piece. He liked to do that. Make little gifts to people he liked. Quite a generous old gentleman in many ways. Yeah, except to his only living blood relative. Well, all I got from him was that old clock. Uh, do you know anything about that clock? Not a thing. Probably overlooked it when he emptied out his house. Maybe. Maybe not. How's that? Maybe the old gentleman left it for you on purpose. Uh, why? Valuable. How well did you know Uncle Lester? Not well at all. The fact of the matter is, nobody knew him well. Hmm. Well... Okay, thanks, Mr. Pettigrew. Uh, Mr. Runyon? Yeah? Uh, what do you plan to do with the clock? Uh, peddle it to an antique dealer, I guess. Word of advice. Yeah? Oh, don't believe I'd be too hasty on that. Uh, is that so? Well, however, it's up to you. Only I believe I'd talk to Amy Matthews first. Amy Matthews? Best antique appraiser in Salem. <laughs> Well, Mrs. Matthews, what's the verdict? Well, there's no doubt about it. It's genuine. It's genuine? Yes, yes, I'm positive. Genuine what? A genuine doomsday clock. Oh, a doomsday clock? Oh, yes. And what is a doomsday clock? Oh, just a name that applies to this type of clock. They were made in the latter part of the 16th century, until the church put a stop to it. Why would a church be interested in a clock? Oh, superstition of the times, I suppose. All we really know today is that these clocks were made to be kept in one family and never to be owned by anyone except a descendant of the first owner. Hmm. Well, that's weird. There were never very many of them sent here to this country. For one thing, they were very costly and only the wealthy could afford the freight. And then, for the other thing, there were the trials. The trials? You've got me again. The witchcraft trials, right here in Salem. Oh, you can read all about them in the museum. And what do the witchcraft trials have to do with clocks? Oh, not clocks. Just the doomsday clock. So you're saying this clock ought to be worth a lot of money? Oh, you're surely not thinking of selling it. That's exactly what I'm thinking. That's why I asked you to come look at it. Oh, but you wouldn't sell it. Why not? Well, people don't sell doomsday clocks. This clock is a part of your family, Mr. Runyon. Your children and their children will want to keep it. I'm not it. going to have any children, Mrs. Matthews. Well, then your nieces or nephews... I'm an only child. I never had any brothers or sisters, so I haven't any nieces or nephews. Oh. Well, then your bloodline will end with you. Yeah, I suppose so. You must keep the clock, Mr. Runyon. It belongs with you. And now... We return to the Doomsday Clock. Well, 
Nice of you to come over in all this storm, Miss Dodge. I was glad to. Here, sit down. Uh, by the fire. All right. How's everything at the Wayfarers? Oh, we're having a ball fixing up Mr. Otis' house. We're going to restore it and furnish it the way it was when it was built. I know. That's why I wanted you to come over. I want you to have the clock. The clock? Yeah, it, it belongs with the house. Oh, no. It, it belongs with you. Listen, I don't want it. You have to. What do you mean, I have to? That's what Mrs. Matthews said the other day. Then you do know about it. Yeah, she told me all about it. Now, they call this the doomsday clock, and the church frowned upon it and all, but it really doesn't go with any of the rest of the stuff in my apartment. Excuse me, you're not from Salem, then, are you? No, I was raised in Pittsburgh. I just got transferred here by the year ago. You wouldn't understand. About the clock? Yeah, I understand. My crazy great-uncle left me a white elephant that doesn't even run, and frankly, the thing is spooking me, and I want it out of here. Are you sure it doesn't run? Sure, I'm sure. I pull up the counterweights, set the pendulum swinging, but nothing happens. It doesn't tell time. Don't the hands move? No. You're absolutely sure they don't? Of course. Okay. It's quarter of nine right now by my watch. Look at the clock. What time does it say? What's the matter? Mr. Runyon, when did you set the hands on that clock? I, I don't know. I was playing it with this morning, I guess. The hands say quarter to twelve. Sure, that, that's what I'm saying. The thing probably ran an hour or two and then stopped just before noon. Here. I'll set them so they read the correct time. There, quarter to nine. Now, if you stick around for an hour or so, you'll see the thing will just stop running. Arthur, you really are a human being after all. Why, just because I pop popcorn and own a lot of Captain Marvel comic books? Well, that and the way you pretend to be so serious all the time and so money-hungry. Why, when I first saw you in Mr. Petticord's office, I thought you were going to bite my head off because you didn't inherit all your uncle's money. He's my great-uncle, and I was going to bite your head off. Only then I thought how pretty you are with your head on. Well, I'm glad we finally got over that phase in our relationship. Oh, and what phase are we entering now? I don't know. A nice phase, whatever it is. Oh, what time is it? Has it been an hour yet? I bet it's been two hours. Uh, let me turn the light on. Yeah, my watch says it's five past eleven. And what does old doomsday clock say it is? Huh. Well, that's funny. Look at that. Quarter of twelve. Again. Why does it do that? Oh, Arthur. Well, if I do keep it, I'm going to have to get a clock repairman in here. Yes. Yes, get someone to fix it. Tomorrow. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but she's hopeless. What do you mean? No use my taking the works out, Mr. Runyon. The gears are chewed up too bad. Couldn't possibly fix them without rebuilding everything from start to finish. But it ran for a while. Not in the last century. It ran last night for two hours. It did. Mr. Runyon, no force on earth can make this old clock run. Hello? Arthur? Shirley Dodge. Hi. Did you have someone look at that clock today? Yeah. What did he do? Well, he told me the clock doesn't run. Couldn't run. But I wish he were here right now. I just watched the minute hand move up full two minutes in one jump. You'll be interested to know that it is now 
Eleven minutes to twelve. Only my wristwatch says it's almost dinner time. Uh, how about it? I'm coming over. Don't go out. I was thinking of a little cafe somewhere. No, Arthur. Stay there. I'll be right over. Where are you going? The clock. What does it say? Hey, listen. I think the thing is really going to run. It's erratic, but now the hands say five or twelve. Arthur, listen to me. I've been talking to Mrs. Matthews about that doomsday clock. Yeah? Do you know why the church banned them in the 16th century? Because they thought they were the work of demons. Huh? And anyone who had one here in Massachusetts could expect to be burned at the stake for practicing witchcraft. Oh, that's crazy. Why? See, they believed that, that the doomsday clock could foretell doomsday. Doomsday? I don't get it. But don't you see? That's why your great uncle got rid of all his furniture before he died. He knew doomsday was coming. Oh, Repent. The end is near like that. Huh? He really was a nut, wasn't he? Arthur, look at the clock now. Two minutes to twelve, so? Are you sure he was your real great uncle? Are you sure you weren't adopted or something? Sure, I'm sure. Well, what are you getting at? Because, according to Mrs. Matthews, the doomsday clock foretells every generation's passing. And when the hands both point to twelve... Oh, that's ridiculous. That's the most far-fetched old wives' tale ever heard. Listen to it. It's striking 12. Very simple. I'll just go over and stop it from striking. I'll, I'll stop the hand. I want to move. Was Arthur Runyon killed by an antique clock weighing hundreds of pounds or by his own superstition? Was the curse of ancient mysticism the cause of his death or was it his sudden belief in the curse? We'll never know. But at least nobody else need fear the dreaded doomsday clock. It was smashed to pieces as it crushed Arthur to death. But then perhaps it had done its work for there were no more descendants of that bloodline Arthur was the last. The doomsday clock would have no more victims. I wonder if Arthur was thinking what I was as the clock struck twelve. Send not to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. I'll be back in a moment with a scene from our next production of Crisis. Tonight, Crisis presented The Doomsday Clock, featuring Terry McManus, Beverly Badgett, Pat French, Bill Swain, and Chuck Wolf. Carney Martin was our engineer. The program is produced at Audio Recording Incorporated with script and production by yours truly, Jim French, who invites you to join us next time for Crisis. Crisis.